It is a big week for the San Francisco 49ers. No, not because it's Seattle week, because we are joined by host of Good Morning Football and analyst on Fox NFL Kickoff, Peter Schrager, joining us on the 49ers You've Got Mail podcast, sponsored by Manscaped. Schrager, how is it going? We haven't spoke, we were just talking about this, since before the NFC Championship game. It's been a while. Isn't that crazy? Like, I think the last time we spoke and I did the podcast with you, Keanu, was when the Niners had just beaten the Vikings and Kirk Cousins and we were going up again and it was like, oh, everything's great. And then the world has certainly changed. And yet here we are, 49ers. What's new? Big game against Seattle. Some things don't change. This is a big week for Seattle and big week for San Francisco. So I'm excited to talk to you this week, especially. Yeah, before we talk about the game, we got to talk about probably the biggest storyline, and that is our guest appearance we had last time, which is your son, Mel. Mel was a fan favorite. How is 2020 treating our guy? He's, he's hanging in there. He's learning about football. He's getting to meet his dad for the first time because his father's not on a flight every weekend. Um, but the big story this week in our household was not the 49ers dismantling of another opponent on national TV. It wasn't necessarily anything to do with uh, the NFL, my son's birthday. He just turned four. So we had a big birthday party. Oh, wow. And I'll tell you, there was football in the background on Sunday, but it wasn't the main story. Not at all. Not in this house. How is that for dad? You got the birthday party going on, but your job is to cover football. So were you trying to peek at the TV? How did that work? It was great. Um, fortunately, the 49ers did me a favor and that game was over within five minutes. So I was able to spend some time with uh, with my son. I, don't let Belichick hear me say this, but geez, that was something this week. And it really did do me a favor because I was able to hang out with my son on his birthday. You, you're very welcome. I think Kyle Shanahan did that just for you. He it. knew it was Mel's birthday. I had to make it a big deal. But let's talk about that game a little bit. Um, Gosh. It's a lot of storylines that we could talk about. We could talk about if it was, you know, what's I have to say with Cam Newton. We can talk about the 49ers maybe dealing with these injuries in some sort of way. But I want to ask you, what's your biggest takeaway? What was your top storyline coming out of that game? Yeah, look, I, I mean... If I was doing a Patriots podcast, it would be doom and gloom, but I'm doing a 49ers podcast. And I think you have to be absolutely elated with the way that team came out and played right from go. Like the way I look at it is, and I tweeted this and it got a lot of love. Um, when we looked at these upcoming games for the 49ers and it was like Rams, Patriots, Seahawks, Saints, Titans, everyone's reaction was, oh my God, the 49ers have to play these teams. But after these last two weeks, the way they beat up on Los Angeles, the way they beat up on the Patriots, my feeling is these teams have to play the 49ers. Like the 49ers are tough. They're really tough. And that's with all these injuries. And they are they are a beast to deal with. And I've never seen a Belichick defense. And, I, and I've covered a lot of football. I've never seen a Belichick defense just sliced and diced like the 49ers offense did to them on Sunday, especially in their building. With Nance and Romo on the call, like it's very rare you get the Belichick team blown out. It's really rare they get blown out in their building in a nationally televised game. There, there was not even a fight. That one was over after seven minutes. I, blown away by that 49ers performance. All credit goes to the players and the coaching staff for that one. Yeah, I love that you mentioned your tweet. And I was going to get to that in just a second because I do want to talk a little bit more about what lies ahead for San Francisco. But a term that's been flying around is identity. What is this 49ers identity? You're coming off of that Super Bowl loss, and they talk about the Super Bowl hangover. You have those crushing losses against the Dolphins and the Eagles, and, and people are saying this team should have been 6-1, and one, but instead sitting here at 4-3. and three. But do you think 
this team may have found something over these last two weeks, these these two wins, did that kind of jumpstart something for this team? I think they might have found something in those two losses. Sometimes it works like that. You galvanize around hitting your rock bottom. And I'll tell you, rock bottom was probably Bosa and Solomon Thomas riding in pain in the, on the turf at MetLife early on in the season, but they found a way to win that game. They win the following week after being in West Virginia. And then you lose those two games and you're like, all right, back down to earth. This team has too many injuries. The, the quarterback can't do anything and he's he's no good and all this stuff. And just when everyone got off the 49ers bandwagon, like literally everybody, it was empty. And Jimmy Garoppolo was being called to be going to the bench. They put up together two of the best wins any teams have had to see. Like the Rams are really good. And the 49ers did the thing to them. And then the Patriots, I think a lot of people expected them to bounce back and the 49ers didn't even make it close. So I think they have their identity for sure. And that's a great word to use. I don't know when they found it. I don't know if they found it after losing inexplicably to the Dolphins. I don't know if they they found it on Sunday night losing to an Eagles team with Travis Fulgham and John Hightower making plays on them. Or if they found it once they started winning and said, wait a second, look around the locker room. We've got some good players and we can win with these guys. I love what they've got going on right now. And I love the playmakers that are doing it. To see Kittle smiling and to see Juszczyk making plays and of course to see all these different running backs stepping up when called upon, the offense is just fine. And, and, and Jimmy Garoppolo... Whatever you want to say about him, Kyle Shanahan found a way to get him going the past two weeks, and it might not be the same way Patrick Mahomes plays or Lamar Jackson or even Justin Herbert now, but he does what he has to do to win games, and they've been winning games in really good fashion lately. Yeah, I got the chance to talk to Fred Warner earlier this week, and I asked, well, what was it? Was maybe maybe those losses, especially that embarrassing loss to the Dolphins, did that maybe kickstart something? Was that a spark for you guys? And that's what he said. He said that's exactly what it was. It lit a fire under this team. So, I mean, I, I don't want to call a loss a positive, but this could have been something that helped this 49ers team as they're looking ahead, uh, and we'll talk about those matchups in a bit. But what stands out to you, and, and maybe this team – and and I'm, when I'm talking, I'm talking about the loss of you brought up the Nick Bosa, the Solomon Thomas. You don't have a Richard Sherman there. Losing a number of starters in this team still remains to find ways to stay afloat. Yeah. Does this happen often in the league? No. How is this team overcoming this? No, and it would have been the easiest excuse, right? Like, okay, it's coronavirus year, and we lost all of our best players the first couple of weeks of the season. Good night. We're done. We'll go four and 12 or five and 11, or maybe we'll fight till seven and nine. Instead, they found some fight in them. And gosh, what I love about this team is that it's not unlikely players, but guys that have been doing the job who are healthy have like stepped up even more so. So Fred Warner, you mentioned, he's an off the ball linebacker. So he's not going to rack up sacks. He's not going to necessarily lead the league in tackles. But like, gosh, if you watch the Niners week to week, he is in on every single play. And Fred Warner, all of a sudden, out of, uh, you know, with, with, I don't want to say out of nowhere because he's been really good the last year, but for him to be a defensive player of the year candidate, no one would have said that before the season. As good as he is, I don't think anyone thought so. But when you lose a D Ford and you lose a Bosa and you lose Solly Thomas and you lose Richard Sherman and you lose, I can go on and on and on and on. That's the crazy thing. I think they're down eight defensive starters in San Francisco yep. and Fred Warner is stepping up and looks like the best linebacker in football this year. So I love that. And of course, to see the rotation of the running backs, when one goes down, the other one lifts the other one up. I wouldn't be shocked if it's Jamichael Hasty running wild this weekend. I wouldn't be shocked if Tevin Coleman gets back in the lineup and it's he who goes nuts. That's the beauty of this team. It's like, you know, one fallen soldier, the rest of the guys lift each other up and there's been no excuses. And there have been a lot of reasons for excuses. And they'd be really easy for a team to look at each other and say, well, you know what? 
we were a Super Bowl team last year, but we just got a, a, a bad hand this year. And gosh, if we only had Ronald Blair, or if we only had Nick uh, Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa, if we only had da 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 da, they don't do that. They go out there and they fight and they win. And now Fred Warner is their leader. And and eventually we'll see all these guys back, Debo and hopefully Jeff Wilson and all them. And who knows? Maybe we're playing January football yet again. Manscaped is the official below-the-waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. It's so funny. Someone actually said today, they were saying with the number of injuries the 49ers dealt with, when you get a player back, it almost feels like the 49ers just grabbed some big-time free agent because that's just how it feels when you're getting, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's on IR and he's coming back. So fortunately for the San Francisco 49ers, not every player is that season-ending IR designation. Some guys are coming back. And one is potentially Tevin Coleman. We saw last week Jamichael Hasty, an undrafted rookie, step up with um, Jeff Wilson Jr. going out and Raheem Mostert on IR, Tevin Coleman on IR. Well, 49ers opened the practice window up for Tevin Coleman. And uh, being the You've Got Mail podcast, it wouldn't mm-hmm. be right if we didn't have fan questions. So Kevin Douglas wants to know, if Tevin Coleman plays, you think he'll get the majority of the work? Or will we finally let Jamichael Hasty, a.k.a. he wrote Mini Marshawn, run loose. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what's been your impression of Hasty and this 49ers run game? Limited action two weeks ago. And then yeah, and last week when Wilson goes down, after having a career day, Hasty just picks up right away and just takes it from there. So I would think if Tevin Coleman's coming off this injury, they're not going to rush him back and give him the bulk of the carries. I would imagine Hasty will be the guy. And I don't think it really matters because they all are running well and the offensive line is creating holes. So different types of body types, Different types of players. Of course, Tevin Coleman's a great addition. And if Jarek's out there, Jet will be fine too. But uh, this might be the Jermichael Hasty game. I would I would point to Jermichael Hasty as the guy that will get the bulk of the carries in this one. It was a topic that you guys talked about on Good Morning Football, and it really sparked a light bulb in my head. And it, the question was posed, what is it about Shanahan's offense that makes it so plug and play? And I would love to get your take on that. It's, it's again, identity. Like you learn this offense and there are places you go and there are holes to be hit. And that is what it is. And it's a long tree of it. Like it starts with Mike Shanahan, of course, but then trickles down. Even stuff they do out in Green Bay, what LaFleur does is all Shanahan stuff. And what McVay does is a lot of Shanahan stuff. And then Kyle's the master of it. I think I have no problem saying Kyle Shanahan is with Andy Reid and maybe Sean Payton and maybe Sean McVay a top five play caller in the league. And I said it last year after stuff they were doing um, with Kittle and with use and what they got Debo doing at the end of the season. Like last year might've been the greatest um, play calling we've ever seen by a coach in an NFL season, what he did with those guys. So it's plug and play because the plays are so well drawn up that, Hey, just go and do your job and it will work. Like, trust me, it will work. You don't have to improvise. You don't have to be some crazy heroic play on your own. And if George Kittle wants to, Stiff arm seven New Orleans Saints on the way to a first down and a field goal opportunity for Robbie Gold. Sure, that works, but he might not have to every single play because Kyle just draws it up so beautifully. As we talked about a number of players, we talked about offense, defense, we talked about the running backs, we talked about Fred Warner. Steve Fox from Livermore, California said, in your viewpoint, which 49er has maybe surpassed your expectations so far this year? Oh, good question. Um, exceeded my expectations. I have high expectations for, for Kinlaw, the rookie. I have high expectations for Ayuk. Uh, 
You know who you know who really has exceeded my expectations? I know he's always battling injuries. Jason Verrett. I think that's a yeah. great story. And I yeah. think Verrett, after playing, I think what they said in the broadcast was crazy, that he's played in like 10 games since 2015 when he was a pro bowler. 10 games. And he's been on a team all these times. Like for Jason Verrett to step up and really be the star of that Sunday night game and win that game against the Rams, I think Jason Verrett has, has gone above and beyond. And I think Mosley at corners played really well too. So I – you lose Richard Sherman and Jimmy Ward goes down. There's all these questions about or Tart or whatever it is. And who's going to be in defensive backfield? Cause that was a weak spot last year at times. Gosh, Jason Verrett is, has really exceeded expectations has been a wonderful addition to that defensive backfield. Yeah, definitely a story looking at his career and, and came back for one game last year was placed back on injured reserve. Uh, 49ers still had a lot of faith in him, bringing him back for another year. And just it's incredible to watch him play at the level that he is, what he does to this defense, especially having the injury luck that he's had. But he has a tall task ahead of him this week. I guess we can start previewing week eight 49ers heading uh, to the Pacific Northwest to face the Seattle Seahawks in a fanless century link field. I, I mean, that's that's got to be a, a huge like sigh of relief for an opposing team to go into that stadium with no fans. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. And I don't know. I feel like the 49ers kind of slayed a dragon last year in week 17. And I don't know if you could thank Dre Greenlaw or whoever else, but like I just pictured Joe Staley in that end zone spiking the ball, being so excited and finally, finally beating the Seahawks in Seattle. I wonder if that that uh, that looming shadow or that elephant in the room has now been slayed. I don't even know if it's a good analogy. Elephant in the room. Whatever it is, the dragon that is going into that building where the 49ers have struggled so many years. But, gosh, the fans are such a key role to that to that Seahawks home field advantage. And I, I don't know if there's any team in, in the league who's playing worse defense right now than what Seattle is. Uh, they just can't stop anybody. So if you're a 49ers fan, you got to have a lot more confidence this year than maybe previous years going into that building. Yeah, absolutely. I think I found a, a little fun fact. It was something like they're giving up the uh, most yards. And I think it's it's since in the Super Bowl era, something like that going on in Seattle. I'll have to look back at that. Mm. But if we're looking at this NFC West, and I say it, and I'm comfortable enough saying it, that this is the toughest division in the NFL. There are some tough ones out there, but it's something about this NFC West division. What has surprised you most when you're looking at this entire picture? We have Seattle that's hanging up there right behind him. You have the Arizona Cardinals who I feel like just this year just came in and took a lot of people by surprise, especially with the addition of Deandre Hopkins. You have the Rams who, like you said earlier, are a tough team and you have the reigning NFC champs Mm -hmm. sitting there at the bottom. Uh, But what surprised you most when looking at this entire picture? Yeah. I think before the season, I had to make my playoff predictions and there's seven teams that go to the playoffs now. So you get one division winner and three wild cards. And I said, there's a good chance that all four of these teams just go to the playoffs this year, but I didn't. I said the Lions are another wild card team, and I went Niners as division champions, and I said Cardinals, Rams as wild cards, and Seahawks on the outside looking in. And five, six weeks into the season, everyone said I was crazy, and you made a mistake, and Seahawks are the best team in football. If the Niners beat them this week, suddenly, you know, that looks a little different. And my biggest surprise is that the Niners bounce back from those injuries. I I, Look, you've covered this game. I've covered this game. When you lose the heart and soul of a lot of these teams – through injuries, it's very easy to pack it up and say we're done. And I think the Niners are the most pleasant surprise that despite what happened in week two and despite what happened in week three on that you know, MetLife turf, this team is relevant and they're very much in the thick of it. And I'm telling you, no one wants to play them right now because they're rolling. And that's exactly uh, what you'd hope would have happened if they were all healthy, that they'd be in this situation. Well, guess what? 
a lot of those guys are injured and they're still just about where you'd expect the Niners to be after seven, eight weeks of the season. <laughs> it's crazy to believe we're already go we're already heading into week eight. We're almost at that halfway mark. And you know the main thing on fans' mind playoffs yeah are can this 49ers team make it back to the playoffs when you're looking at the entire nfc picture you're looking at teams like the saints or maybe you mentioned the lions or the bears so steven Klinkscale from rochester new york oh, said <laughs> do you see the 49ers as a potential playoff team i know going into the season you said that yeah now we have that extended uh, wild card but resounding yeah. yes resounding yes and guess what the best part about it is if they make it they'd earned it they didn't have to rely on another team they didn't back in like they're gonna have to win games against that gauntlet of an nfc west they've already beaten the rams right they lost to the cardinals early on but they'll get their chance at them again and then this next few weeks they play so many good teams that it's like all right like you can't question what we've done it's on our resume we played a a first place schedule and we were the NFC champions and we still did the job. And so many of these teams that uh, go to the Super Bowl and they fall apart the next year, again, it could have very easily happened with the schedule and the injuries and all that. Instead, here they are. So yes, they've got a, a winner's mentality. They've got one of the best head coaches in football and they've got guys stepping up left and right who want to play for each other. So my friend from Rochester, fellow New Yorker, I would say absolutely. And Gosh, those Rochester, those Rochester fans were probably pissed. They didn't get to see their 49ers <laughs> weeks two and three. This was the year. This is the yeah, year they had a chance to see them. Oh, that's painful. That definitely right? painful. A lot of messages from fans saying we wish we could have been there uh, to see your team come into your city and you can't even watch them. So that's tough. I want to go back to your tweet. Now's the time. Yeah. I want to highlight this tweet. It was my tweet of the week. I co-host a show called Armchair Quarterback on NBC Sports Bay Area. And I highlighted your tweet Love right it. there in the show because it needed I needed everybody to see this. If you missed it on Twitter, you needed to see it on TV. But you said every week we were told who the 49ers have to play up coming up on their schedule. My response after the last few weeks, those teams have to play them. I feel like that's a similar narrative that we had last year. It was so many people talking about that gauntlet of teams that the 49ers had to match up against. And 49ers came out of there. I mean, I, I can't remember. I know that's when they had New Orleans. They had yeah, um, the Ravens. Exactly. Seattle. Exactly. So now as we're looking ahead, so Seattle this week, you're followed up with Green Bay on a short week. You're at New Orleans. You have your bye. After your bye, you're going to L.A. against the Rams and then the Buffalo Bills. Now it begs the question, mm -hmm. are these matchups as scary as we think when we see them on paper right now? When you list them out, they sound brutal, don't they? <laughs> it does. <laughs> it sounded good in a tweet, and then, geez, you say those teams, and I'm like, oh, God. Uh, they own the Packers. I don't know if Kyle Shanahan just has some brain uh, power over LaFleur, who was his apprentice, but, like, I'm not scared of the Packers if I'm the 49ers because last year was two of the biggest blowouts in the NFL. So I wouldn't worry about that if I'm if I'm the 49ers. I mean, obviously, I might pick the Packers when that game happens, but um, – I, they beat the Saints in New Orleans last year. Can't be scared of the Saints. Rams, they've already beaten. Seattle, they've taken care of. The Bills, I've seen get absolutely blown out by the Titans and lose to the Chiefs at home. Like, they have to play the 49ers. The 49ers are really good. And the 49ers won the Super Bowl last year. And the 49ers just ran the ball all over a Bill Belichick defense and threw the ball uh, with ease all over a, a number two ranked Rams defense. Like, I don't know. Aaron Donald was invisible against the 49ers. So you're telling me that suddenly I've got to lose sleep over 
uh, Ed Oliver in Buffalo or you know, Kenny Clark in Green Bay or whoever's coming from the Packers. Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like this, this is the NFL and the 49ers are one of those teams that are the toughest week in and week out. They're the hardest to beat, but they're also just mentally tough. And they're such a tough, tough team to get out of your way. So I would almost look at those teams and say, ah, no, wait, we might have some easier teams on the schedule, but that one, we've got a circle. We've got to face the 49ers. So it's all about philosophy and the way we discuss it in the media, but it's an easy, we call it a full screen on good morning football. And it's like, you just toss to a graphic and that graphic takes up the full screen and it's the schedule. And it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, let's see the full screen upcoming games. And you list them off like that. Kay, And you're like, Wow, that is a brutal stretch. But then you think about them game by game, and you're like, oh, I feel bad for the 49ers. I feel bad for the Packers. I, f- I mean, I feel bad for the Saints. I feel bad for the Packers. And suddenly it's like, those teams have to face the 49ers. 49ers are really good. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the official below the waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. Well, actually, I'm going to go back to what you just said. I remember when the schedule first came out, Kyle Shanahan said, you know, he was asked, when you look at the schedule, you know, this far in advance and you see that stretch of games, what comes to mind? Are you a little worried? And something that stood out, he said, well, things change throughout an NFL season. What happens in week one can look completely different by week five, six, seven, eight injuries happen. Uh, Teams don't play up to par. Anything can happen. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that right now, because I don't think at least myself covering this team that Seattle's defense would be struggling the way they have been uh, through midway point of the season. So anything can change. And uh, I wouldn't get too worked up about the upcoming schedule for a lot of 49ers fans out there listening. But all right, we talked about it. 49ers traveling to Seattle to face the Seahawks. Russell Wilson is still Russell Wilson, regardless what we say about their defense. He can still make things happen. Their defense is another story, but we've seen the 49ers take strides on both sides of the ball. I just want to leave it up to you. What's your projection for this game? What are you looking forward to seeing? What's the top storyline? Well, I mean, you could ask any 49ers fan, about Russell Wilson and as much as they want to say they hate him and they they hate seeing him the respect has to be through the roof this guy is so good he's he's so good and he's always so good against the 49ers and he's broken your heart so many times that you can never take it for granted yet here I am on this podcast with you and I I just think the 49ers are rolling right now they've got some mojo going it would be uh, disingenuous of me to pick against them in this game I think that the the lack of fans in Seattle the lack of defense in Seattle and the way that San Francisco has controlled the ball in these games gives me a lot of confidence that they could do the job again. I would say 49ers in a surprisingly low-scoring game, considering how bad the Seattle defense is and how good Russell Wilson is. But I think the 49ers take the air out of the ball. They run it with Hasty. They run it with whether it's Coleman or McKinnon or whoever, Juszczyk, and Kittle just does the thing. And I think it's going to be a 49ers victory, and it's going to be like a one-score game. I would say like, if I was a, a person to put a score on this, I would think this game is like 24-20 49ers. Like so many of these games are, whether it be last year on the Monday night where they lost or the Sunday night crazy finish in week 17 where they won. Lowish scoring game. Russell still does Russell things and pulls a couple out of his you-know-what, but I think the 49ers find a way. I just want to let you know, these games give me anxiety, especially when they go down to the wire. And these last two matchups against the Seahawks was no better. Um, I probably needed, you know, my blood pressure was through the roof at that point. Yeah. (laughs) 
So, I mean, it, I'm, I'm all for some good football, but um, what would you I'm have done in the Monday night game? Would you have just taken a knee and gone for a tie last year when they lost and they gave Russ the ball back with a little bit left? Or would you have said, go for it? It's such a, it says a yeah. lot about a person's like mentality. And I know in hindsight, a lot of people said, go for the tie and just get out of there with a tie against Russell Wilson. But gosh, did I love it that Kyle Shanahan puts his gas, puts the gas pedal on and it's like, let's try to win this thing. I loved it. I, I don't fault him at all for that. And then the one thing that comes to mind during that game is a made field goal would have changed the entire yep. course of that game. At the end, yep. It's something that simple. So you can never underestimate the power of the kicker position. And I told Robbie Gold that he was actually on our podcast last week. And we were talking about those game-winning moments and, and the importance of you know a kick and what it could lead to towards the end of the game. And he said he embraces those moments. So 49ers didn't have Robbie Gold in that first matchup, but uh, got him this week. Um, is there a matchup on Sunday that you're looking forward to Ooh. most? Uh, and I'm going to just spit out mine really quick. Yeah. You brought up Jason Verrett and I really liked that answer. And I think about Jason Verrett against the Seahawks receivers. Oh yeah. They're good. They're really good. Um, it could be trouble. Look, Russell Wilson has been on fire with those two and it's not just DK it's, it's Lockett. Lockett's unbelievable. But the matchup I would look at it, I would, I'd be really curious to see how they're going to stop Kittle and Bobby Wagner's had success with Kittle in the past, but like Kittle's, playing in a different universe right now. I feel like he's unstoppable. So uh, if if this defense, which cannot stop anyone, I mean, the Cardinals just did whatever they wanted, can't stop Kittle early, this could be a very, very long night for the Seahawks defense. So I'd say Kittle versus Bobby Wagner slash the entire Seahawks defense. I love that. Kittle might be relied on a little heavier, not having Debo Samuel in the fold. So look into some of the other of the 49ers offensive weapons uh, in Sunday's game. All right. So as we we wrap, begin wrapping this up, uh, we're less than a week into the trade deadline. You see what the Seahawks did? Uh, got Carlos Dunlap. Um, I know the injuries the 49ers have been dealing with. 49ers are limited with cap space, and they definitely don't want to go into next year's draft with how they went into this past year having just five picks. So with all of that being said, do you foresee this team making some kind of move in the next few days? And is that required if they truly want to make a postseason run in this crowded NFC conference? I don't know. Yes, maybe. Like John Lynch is not scared to make a trade. And I don't think, I just don't know if they... I don't, they've got such a good locker room and a lot of these guys who are available right now are players who have quit on teams or have asked for their way out or are veterans who are really expensive. Like, I don't know who's available. And the fact that they've stepped up so much at this point, if they didn't make a trade in weeks two and weeks three, why would you need to upset the apple cart or spend a lot of money or give up draft capital at this point? I think they're pretty good with as they are. Um, I love the the guys that are the veteran. I love that the fact that like Kerry Hyder found a place on this team. I love that uh, Verrett and of course Alden and Ziggy, I'm not Alden, I'm sorry, Deion Jordan and Ziggy all got a shot. Like they've, they, they've surfed the deepest of waters to find defensive talent. Don't worry. They, they've looked unless something falls in their lap. Like I don't necessarily think they need a guy who's going to be on the trade block from a team, especially not with the way they're playing the last few weeks. Absolutely. 49ers depth, definitely serving them well. Uh, big kudos to John Lynch and his team being able to find those pieces to be able to step up when you lose a guy like a Nick Bosa or you lose 
uh, Richard Sherman, and the list goes on and on, and being able to find that undrafted talent, Jamichael Hasty doing the things that he's doing. So uh, kudos to Lynch and co. Uh, Peter Schrager, appreciate having you. Uh, this was a lot of fun, and I think we should keep this thing going. Um, should the 49ers, I'm knocking on wood right now, should the 49ers make it to that same place next year, I think it's it's good luck to have you back on the pod again. Yeah, look, every time I come on this podcast, they win by 30 points, and it's a big game. So if they beat Seattle by 30 points, we'll do it every week if you want. If, That's if they, great. Exactly. If they beat Seattle by 30, uh, 30 points each week, uh, we'll set a date, and it'll be Kiana and Peter Schrager yes. uh, talking a little 49ers you football. There are so many Niners fans who are like big-time celebrities that are out there that I that I never would ever have any contact with but because I've done things with the Niners and picked the Niners in games I heard from uh, Al Madrigal the comedian out of nowhere he was a big wow. Niners fan Adam Scott the actor he he the comedian yeah. he's a huge Niners fan I had no idea Niners fans are everywhere and I live in New York City and I've sent photos to members of the Niners coaching staff in front office any day at any given time you will see a 49ers jersey in New York City. The fans are everywhere. The faithful are real. And gosh, if they find a way to get the Super Bowl with all these injuries, then uh, this must be the most rewarding season of all time. Man, tell me about it. Uh, Shregs, appreciate you. You have a great rest of your week. And uh, hopefully we have something exciting to talk about next week on GMFB after a 49ers win. You're the best. Thanks for having me on again, Kay. I appreciate it. Of course. 